Creativity is experimenting, growing, taking risks, breaking rules, making mistakes, and having fun. Mary Lou Cook. On today's episode of Bruno Creativity, we are joined with Kimberly, a London-based food photographer, educator, food stylist, and author. Apart from photographing and styling food, she helps bloggers and food photographers grow their Instagram following and fine-tune their creative business skills through her podcast, Eat, Capture, Share, and her business mentoring sessions for food photographers eager to earn an income doing what they love. Hi, Kimberly. How are you? Hi, Danielle. I'm well. Thank you so much for having me here on the show. I'm super excited to be here. Well, I'm super excited to have you and discuss anything food and blogging related. You're absolutely killing it right now. So I'm really excited to go over it with you. I'm a foodie myself, so I feel like it's going to be really fun to record with you. I love to start off every single episode asking each of my guests, and I'm really excited to hear your answer. What's your go-to coffee or tea order? So this is, I always find this is quite funny because I'm half Colombian. So everybody always thinks I'm going to go for coffee, but I don't drink coffee, even though I am half Colombian and my husband works in coffee. I love tea. I'm obsessed with it. There isn't a day that goes by where I don't have a cup of tea. And my order is always green tea, preferably jasmine green tea. Like if you bring me a perfectly brewed jasmine green tea, we're off to a good start. Oh, I love that. I, I wish I could say the same thing because I don't know what it is about. Maybe it's the caffeine that I get addicted to. But you know what? I've been getting into tea a lot more, especially throughout the day. So I'm not just constantly dehydrating myself. And green tea is such a great option. It's it's so light that it's such a great accent to like your morning or even your nighttime routine. Yeah, I just find it so refreshing. It's yeah, yet still warming. Like I just don't I don't know what it is. I love it. I love it. And I love how your husband's in coffee and you're drinking tea. Yes. Does he support the tea? <laughs> he does. He does. And actually, I think it's good because um he so he's a coffee buyer and part of his job involves cup, you know, tasting coffee and, and what have you. And, I mean, he's supposed to spit it out, but you still drink a little bit and sometimes he gets all jittery. So I'm like, no, I'll, st- I'll stick to the tea. Thank you. It definitely causes the jitters, especially if you're having a lot. And I don't know how much he's drinking, but sometimes I get to that point if I have my second or third of the day, which is why I've been trying to do a tea in the middle of the day to refrain from that. I know you're a very passionate woman and I love that about you. I see it through your website. I see it through your content and it it's led me to want to ask you, how did you discover your passion for editorial and commercial food photography? So I would say it was like a happy accident because I was a social worker. I worked as an adoption social worker for 13 years. And then I had my son and I was like, you know what? I I just don't feel like the nine to five is really going to work around, you know, my, my life now as a mom. So I knew that I loved food. I wanted to work in food and I wanted to work for myself. So in fact, I retrained as a nutritional therapist and my very, very first year in that, you know, study, I set up my food photography, well, actually my my food blog, my vegan food blog, The Little Plantation to share recipes. And I thought, you know, by the time I graduate, I will have built a little bit of an audience and I'll have recipes to share with prospective 
nutrition clients. So that's kind of how it started. And then, you know, as I was writing the blog and creating blog posts, I was like, you know what? I actually need to make these photos look halfway decent. And so I got a secondhand camera off eBay and I just don't know, like I picked up the camera and I just became obsessed. Like I just loved the creative process and I just loved it. I just absolutely fell in love with it. And I'd say maybe about a year and a half into the blog, I started getting approached to do food photography work and styling work. And I was like, wait a minute, like I didn't even know this was an option (laughs) and uh, went for it and kind of never looked back really. So it was a, a really happy accident. I love how you say it's a happy accident because I find a lot of times we expect things to just kind of fall into our lap and it feels like it was perfect and uh, meant to be, or we were meant to pursue one thing from the time we were young. And to hear that you made the switch from being in social working all the way to food. So you must have been exploring food, maybe perhaps before while you were even social working, like maybe cooking amazing meals for your family or for friends, uh, were you doing that a lot or did it really happen like as soon as you wanted to do the switch? No, I mean, I'd always love food. My mom had a catering business and my brother works in food. My sister has a vegan donut store. So, you know, food was has always played a huge role in my life. I just never n- knew that there was all these different sides to food that you could work in, so to say. So, you know, and and then also I was very, very creative as a child. So I do think those two things colliding creativity and food and coming together with my blog writing. And, you know, so it's kind of, it's, it's a happy accident that kind of I paved the path well before I even realized that food photography was a thing, if you see what I mean. Yeah, definitely. And one thing that, I love is your ability to cook amazing meals and discuss it and share it with the world and then also photograph it in such a beautiful way. And I know that you are completely educated and trained and you know exactly what you're doing. And I love to cook. It's like a hobby for myself, but I struggle for some reason so much with the photography aspect of things that when I actually end up photographing it, it looks way worse than what it actually tasted like. So do you find you're actually styling the food too um, before you start photographing? So you're, you're pretty much doing it all when it comes down to photographing for clients or even your own blog. So I would say it kind of depends a little bit because in my role as a food blogger, definitely I used to do all the things. So I used to write the blog post. I used to select all my props, my backdrops, photograph, style, clean, cook, do everything from from start to finish. But as my blog evolved, as my career evolved, and my clientele changed, so to say, I now outsource a lot of those things. So I even outsource my recipe development now and a lot of the times also the cooking. And so I'm mainly behind the lens and and now generally also work with a separate food stylist. There are also occasions where I'm not behind the camera, where I'm the food stylist. But what I notice is that when I do either the food photography or the food styling or the recipe, that it's just much more efficient kind of thing, you know, yeah. but I am glad I started where I did so that I understand each and every element. And 
I can do each and every element, but now I outsource. And it's kind of the same. I don't know in terms of who your listeners are, but my guess is a lot of creative business owners and, and creatives. You know, it's the same as when you start with your creative business. You design your website, you write the copy, you get the photos, you do your social. And as your business evolves and grows, you realize what you're good at. And you also realize the things you don't like doing. And then you also notice what actually has the biggest return on investment. And so that's kind of where I focused on thinking, okay, my my kind of sweet spot, my zone of genius is really behind the camera. And I'm going to give those other bits and pieces to people who are much better at it or who can support me so I can really show up in, in my best self kind of thing. I love that you're touching on that because a lot of times people don't realize, yeah, when you first start your creative business or business in general, how much time it takes to put an effort into every single facet of running the business. And it's so accurate when you say you're writing your copy and are you a copy expert? Probably not. And then if you're, if you haven't been trained to do web development or web design, like it's, it's difficult, but you're doing it. And without those experiences and curveballs and learning it, you would actually never learn what it is that you feel like your time should go into the most. And I think it's such a valuable experience being able to be an entrepreneur and learn every single facet of running a business. And I know coming to the realization of wanting to delegate these tasks Mm -hmm. takes time. And sometimes you face burnout in the midst of it because before you get to that point, you might be burnt out. Was there a pivotal moment that you realized like, okay, you know what? I need the extra help. And I know it involves like taking a leap Mm -hmm. because as creatives, I know for myself and speaking for myself, you're a perfectionist and you end up wanting to do everything, but you know, it's not realistic. Was there a moment that you absolutely realized, okay, no, this is unrealistic. I I need help. And I know this will benefit my business. So I love that you said that because I do think, maybe it's just me, but I I do think I'm a perfectionist and also a little bit of a control freak, right? So that's what you just said, (laughs) totally resonated. But I think there's two things that happen. So one is... I was really fearful of investing in staff because ultimately it's a financial investment and kind of like, oh my God, I'm just a solopreneur and I'm just starting out. And yes, but it just, I was just working seven days a week and I was like, no, I can't continue like this. And then the second thing that happened, I, so when I made my first hire, that's already now four years ago. Um, it's actually Christina was my very, very first hire. I know you you liaised with her. Yeah, she was my very first hire. And I just, the the second thing is around that time, I really started getting into podcasts. So really listening to it and especially business podcasts. And, you know, I, I tried to look at all the people I admire and, you know, listening in and what they were saying. And what they were all saying was that their business really was able to go the next level once they started hiring staff. And I was like, okay. Yes. So if it's working for Seth Godin or whatever, (laughs) it probably is going to work for me too, right? Let me give this a go. So that gave me like the confidence to, to kind of try. And I have to say, hiring Christina and then subsequently the other hires I've made, every time it's been scary, but every time it's been worth it. And it's allowed me to, it's freed up time for me to work in my zone of genius. And with that, increase revenue. So even though you think, well, it's an extra expense, actually it's always paid for itself and then some. So 
yes, I think it was that it was just getting to a point where I, I just was working way too many hours. Yeah. And then secondly, really listening to my mentors who don't even know that they are my mentors and uh, following their advice and hiring. Buying coffee has never been easier with the app Buy Me A Coffee. Having a virtual coffee with people across the globe can now happen at a click of a button. Support the team with a gift of caffeine this holiday season. The link is in the description notes of this episode. Now let's get back to talking all things creativity. It's a mindset shift. I was looking at it at a point where it's just an expense and will it be worth it? And then once you you make the leap and you make the jump and you meet other people and you start the interview process, you realize, okay, no, you know what, this was necessary. And then as soon as you realize how beneficial it is for not only your business, but your mental health, yes. it's truly transformational. And once you do one, it, it makes hiring other people a bit easier. It's the first employee that I, I found that was super difficult yeah. for myself at least. And I'm so happy that we're touching on this and totally unexpected, but so happy that we are. When you got into your business and for anybody looking to start a similar business, mm-hmm. what would you say are the necessary skills that people should either invest in courses or teach themselves that go into doing what you do? So I would definitely say, of course, you know, if you want to be a food photographer, you need to get your camera and know how to use it. You need to understand light, color theory, composition, you know, food styling, you know, all the layers. And I I do think even if you want to, quote unquote, only be the photographer, it's so it's going to give you an edge if you understand all the other parts of that creative process from prop selection, composition, food styling, etc. So definitely brushing up in that. I I mean, a lot of it, I just, you know, a lot of it is practice. And so, you know, just doing and trying and failing and, and yeah. trying again. And then I personally found, I did a group workshop and then I did a one-to-one workshop as well. And that really helped me to kind of unpick where I was going wrong. And so definitely studying with people who are where you want to be, I think is is a super helpful way of just accelerating your growth essentially as a, as a creative. But then you can be the most amazing food photographer that ever lived if you don't share your work and if you don't understand the marketing piece then it's really hard to mm. earn an income doing what you love so when i started out 8 years ago really i would say instagram was the place for photographers and food photographers and it still is i would say probably the number one place still of course there's stuff like tiktok now and you know (laughs) all the things but um i'd still say having a social media presence understanding marketing understanding sales it are kind of added bonuses that will help you turn your passion into you know more than that into more than a hobby into a, a career so if that's what you're looking for definitely understanding that next level is going to be really helpful your tips are actually beneficial for not only people striving to be food photographers. I actually think your advice is applicable for anybody looking to start their own business mm-hmm. in a creative aspect because I hate sales. 
And I am not into marketing, heavily at least. And when I started my graphic design studio, that was the biggest curveball that I needed mm. to start learning about. And so putting myself out of my comfort zone and realizing that the way you write and the way you mm. voice yourself to people as a way to sell yourself without coming off salesy in a way, because that was always my biggest fear. Yeah. And then I thought, well, I don't even know how to sell myself in the best way possible. And that's what ends up happening when you decide to take the route of running your own business versus yeah. working for somebody else. You do end up having to learn these things that you possibly didn't think that would you would have to do when starting out with your business. And Instagram was the for myself, the best mm. platform when I wanted to start posting things on my for my portfolio or some projects to attract potential clients. And I mean, now it's even better. I mean, I know a lot of people are starting their own businesses now coming out of the pandemic and posting it on TikTok. And I, mm. I haven't hit TikTok yet, but I know that it's doing so well for some people. Mm. And it's a great marketing tool and, and a great way to put yourself out there. For me, I knew I never wanted to <laughs> essentially work at a nine to five or for somebody else for the rest of my life. Um, I knew when it came down to having kids and having my ideal lifestyle where I can travel and work at the same time, it, that just wasn't for me. And it was a decision that I had to make and one that I was nervous about to even tell people. So what made you decide to run your own business versus work for a company? And what did you do to get there? Actually, Danielle, is it okay if I just pick out one of the things you said before before answering the question because I think you make a really interesting point and this is something I talk a lot about with my students and mentors is this idea that you know we're creatives all we want to do is create and we hate marketing and I actually think marketing if you rephrase that as sharing your your knowledge and your expertise with the world then I, I, I think it's not as yucky as sometimes people feel that it is. You know, it's such an empowering tool because it means that you're in control of the messaging of the way that your business is presented. And the fact that we now are in a position where we can access our ideal customer and client in our own voice, in our own way through Instagram, TikTok, or what have you, it's not yucky. It's it's incredible. It's empowering. It's amazing. And as long as you believe in what you're selling and you believe that what you're creating is worthwhile, then I think that makes the marketing almost, dare I say it, enjoyable. I think what yeah. becomes hard is when you're, you know, again, picking up in a word that you used, imposter syndrome, when you're, there's elements of doubt in terms of you know, am I actually providing a good service? Am I good enough? And when those thoughts creep in, the marketing part becomes so much harder because it's like you still need to convince yourself that yeah. you're you deserve to get paid for what you do. So, anyways, all that to say that I think marketing is if you rephrase it and look at it in a from a different angle, absolutely it is amazing. And cracking that marketing code is yeah, just opens so many doors. I love that you said that because I know that it can, it was daunting for me right in the beginning Mm, Um, because I also think I was uneducated on the topic of Mm. marketing as well. When people talked about marketing, a lot of times the people in my life thought of it as just advertising and simply just advertising, but it's actually a lot more. And then once I started investing in brand photography, I realized that, Hey, that's a facet of marketing that I really enjoy. 
because it's showing me while I work in my atmosphere and doing what I love and showing people into my mind. And then I, I truly, over time, once I started understanding what marketing was and how I can pitch myself to others and truly show people in my environment, just really displaying myself as my authentic self and not pretending to be anybody else but myself, my content transformed. Even the way I was expressing or sharing educational content or information, it was truly the best way I started realizing that, hey, you can actually sell your services while being informative, but also talking about burnout and what people face. It starts to let people realize that you're human and that is marketing. So I love that you're talking about how it's almost like a mindset shift as well. Yes, exactly. Now to answer your question, I, so I'd worked for, obviously I've worked for like a local authority here as an adoption social worker. And I, I think in lots of ways, what I, what I liked about that was the sense of security that gave me. But what I love about being a solopreneur rather than being employed by someone is that I set my times and hours of work. I set which days I work. Mm. And also there is no income ceiling. There's nobody who I have to ask for permission to go and see my son on his, you know, at his play or to have a chat with his teacher. It just gives me that flexibility. So now that I've worked for myself for four years full time, I can't imagine going back. I don't think working for yourself is necessarily better, uh, for lack of better words. It's not necessarily better than working for somebody else. It, it's just different. And there are certain perks and also certain drawbacks to each system. And it's about finding Absolutely. what works for you. But as, as a parent, I think... I think this is this works really well for my stage of life. And now that I've had this this flavor of what it works, what it means to, you know, be my own boss, I can't imagine going back. But it is stressful, and it can be lonely too. And you know, I don't want to make it sound like it's you know all a bed of roses sort of thing. But um, yeah, I love it. I do love it. I'm in the same exact boat. But I always say um, to those who work a nine to five have a different skill set than we do. Mm. I think they offer something different than we do. And it's great that society, I don't know that we all have our different strengths and weaknesses, but as an entrepreneur, like you said, I couldn't imagine my life or going back to working for somebody else. Once you find a lifestyle that just suits you best and, and you learn it quickly once you start and you, I don't know, once you start feeling very successful and things start to line up in a way and you realize you can do what you want. If you're stressed out that day, you can take that day off. Or if you want to be with your family that day, you absolutely can. For me, that value um, in life is a lot more important to me than anything else. So to prepare yourself for that and know what means the most to you and being able to work on your own terms was absolutely crucial for me. So everything you said, I can completely relate to and I completely agree to go back. I couldn't. I I, I physically (laughs) and mentally would not want to. So um, Mm. I, I commend anybody who takes the leap into starting their own business because at the end of the day, there might be something that's a lot more important to them, whether it's traveling, being with family, knowing they need more time for themselves or having, they may just not want to beg for vacation time and (laughs) be limited to only two weeks. Exactly. You know, this is actually exactly what was sort of the straw that broke the camel's back when I had to ask for extended time off. 
And I had to wait, like, wait, I don't know, three weeks to get the okay. And I was just like, oh my God, I'm an adult. <laughs> you know, yeah. why am I having to ask somebody for permission to go and do what I feel called to do? So, yeah, I mean, uh, the, the other side of that, of course, is that there isn't that income security. There's, you know, months where everything's wonderful. And then you, there's quieter months too. And you definitely yes. have to have the stomach for that, for that you you do. Know, up and down and that kind of thing. And certainly there are things you can do in your business to, you know, mitigate that. But still there isn't that perceived sense of safety, especially financially or routine that perhaps comes with a regular nine to five. So I think it's exactly what you say. It's about where your strengths lie and what you value and what's important to you. And then finding whether it's entrepreneurship or a nine to five, which, which would be a better, a better fit, so to say. Absolutely. And I was actually talking about this um, topic with somebody the other day. They were asking me, do you ever have dry spells in your business? And I said, absolutely. Like mm-hmm. during some certain summer months when people want to go travel, who's to say they want a website design or um, anything in regards to branding when they just want to take the time off? Who's yeah. to say that sometimes there might be a dry spell on the winter holiday? when people want to be with family, like it, it happens and mm-hmm. you do have to have some type of resiliency to accepting that you might not always have like these ka-ching months where yeah. you, you think, oh, it's rolling in. Like you're going to have the months where it's rolling in, you're stressed <laughs> mm-hmm. and you're busy and you're trying to make things work. And then you're going to have months where it's not as busy. And for me, I used to get a little a little bothered by it, especially during summer months, because if I wasn't on vacation, I want to hustle, I want to work. Mm. But then I thought, you know what, maybe this is my sign to actually do something for myself. When was yes. the last time I did something for myself? And when I realized that I can trigger this type of feeling, uh, when I realized it's not as busy versus just get down about it, it, it transformed yeah. the way I started looking at maybe quieter months and realize that maybe I can plan ahead now for years to come. Because if I know it might be quieter for July, then maybe I should go somewhere in July. And that is the great part of it all. But yes, so happy you said that sometimes it's going to be chaotic and it's going to be so stressful. But then there's going to be other times where you kind of have to be aware and acknowledge that it won't be the best month financially. And um, it's definitely something you, you need to, you need to accept and, what I did to get to where I am is it, uh, investing in a business coach. And mm-hmm. I don't even talk to a lot of people that I like, that I have mentors. And like you said, you have mentors that don't even know they're mentors. <laughs> um, but once you start investing in these things and in yourself, I think that's what ends up helping your business grow as well. Did you, was there a pivotal moment in your business besides outsourcing and delegating that you had like a really serious conversation or you invested in a coach and they really helped you advance your mental state while you were in business. Yes. So after my first year full time in my business, I had a crazy busy year. So in in terms of clients, I had lots of clients, lots of work, was running lots of workshops and this and the other. But then at the end, when I actually looked at my spreadsheet and looked at everything that had come in and then also looked at everything that went out, because there's a lot of things you need to invest in, you know, for your business as well. The balance sheets were nothing to write home about. And I was exhausted. I was like, okay, there's something here I'm not doing right. Like I'm getting clients, really happy with the quality of my work. People want to work with me, but I'm not 
earning enough, you know, what I'm earning isn't really reflective of yeah. all the work that I'm doing. And so I was like, okay, there's this whole business side that I'm not understanding yet that I still need to grow in and unlearn. And then I actually thought back about what it was like when I was a social worker. So I was a senior social worker, but even so I had supervision. Once every two months, I would meet with my you know, superior, um, like the, the director or whatever, uh, and have supervision sessions just to make sure I was on track and doing what I needed to do and was getting the support and guidance and all the things. I was like, I did that job for 13 years. I'm doing this for one year. Like, where? why do I think I can do this all by myself? That makes absolutely no sense. So after that first year, I hired a coach and we spent a lot of time working on money mindset, actually. And what really transpired without going into lots of boring detail is that I was undercharging. I was really undercharging. And so with her support and the you know homework she gave me and thinking about where my money stories were coming from, you know, that really helped transform my business. And that was you know, that that was just wonderful. And then also, apart from that, as I mentioned before, when you work for yourself, you are alone a lot of the times. And so you don't have what you would have in an office where you're sitting yeah. and you can bounce ideas and thoughts off of your colleagues. And, you know, they help you process thoughts and information and, and, you know, like deal with all that. You're, you're on your own a lot of the times. And so for that, even though there was an, a tangible return on investment, with that, I still got so much out of being able to speak to somebody and have some of my thoughts reflected back and, you know, have someone else's perspective on situations that I encountered. So honestly, again, it was a huge expense, quote unquote expense investment, really, but <laughs> one that was totally worth it and transformative. And then I did a mastermind as well. And now I've signed up actually to a year-long coaching program. And I, I'm i not sure if it's for everyone. You have to be coachable and you have to be open. And especially if you do masterminds and group programs, you also have to be willing to give and not just you know willing to receive. But I love it. I get lots from it. And I don't think my business would be where it is without that that uh, support and uh, input from from coaches and, and mentors. Yeah, absolutely. It can feel very lonely when you're working in a, like in your own office at home or whether you get out sometimes and your team might not be there every single mm. day. It can get lonely. Um, and it's not like you have like, you know, you know, a nice little CEO often where you can talk to them about what's going on in your brain and how are you feeling and how are things going that, um, I did look at sometimes enrolling in courses or these groups or involving myself in networking events. And my business coach, for instance, I didn't even want to tell somebody that I invested in a business coach within 2021 to have somebody actually, yes, keep, me on track and actually she, she's very brutally honest with me and it mm-hmm. was actually one of the things that in the beginning I thought oh this sucks like why is somebody <laughs> telling me that I should be doing this better why 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 am I doing things this way but she questions me mm-hmm. she still does to this day and um at first I used to get anxious every single time I go into these sessions with her because I thought why is she always questioning me but then I started to realize if I didn't have someone realistically being brutally honest with me and saying, you're not charging enough. 
let's sit down yeah. next session to really go over numbers. Um, there's a reason that you're feeling burnout pretty much at mm-hmm. least once a month. And I felt alone in that. And I thought, you know what, it'll get better in time. But once you have the outsider's perspective, it really yeah. allows you to take yourself away from the emotions and how you're mm-hmm. feeling because somebody else does not have that in regards to your business. And having that support system that you didn't even think you might have needed to invest in. And again, I thought it was another expense. I'm like, oh, great. At least I can write it off. But now I'm thinking at this point, um, no, that actually was the best thing I did. And I know Mm -hmm. trying to explain it to some people that you invested in this and they might think it's an expense. It's it's really not because without her or any type of mentor or even involving yourself in a mastermind where people are helping you but you're helping them at the same time, it's it's necessary when in business sometimes if you're if you're open to it because it does end up changing your perspective on how to grow your business versus just trying to do everything yourself. I actually think when you try to do everything yourself at some point, you're actually prolonging the process versus working smarter versus always working harder. And I was working hard for a Mm -hmm. very long time versus thinking, how can I make things easier for myself? So I absolutely love the fact that you're open to discussing this with me because it's often not even talked about, I find, in business. I mean, I think it's such a shame, really, because it's, I I don't know, it's, it's been transformative, it's been helpful. And also what I think is very different going back to what we talked about before in terms of comparing working for yourself in a nine to five is that if you work for yourself, all the decisions are on, you know, on your shoulders and that can be really overwhelming, you know, like even little decisions, like, should I focus on this on my business or that, or should I focus on this platform or that? Like every decision, no matter how big or small is on you. And that's, are really intense. And then the other thing is that the problems and stumbling blocks and also, also, you know, the, the positive things, the yeah. revenue spikes and all that, a lot of people who are in the nine to five won't be able to relate to the things that you you're going through. So having somebody who understands exactly Absolutely. what you're going through is invaluable. Absolutely. And sometimes I want to, (laughs) I I laugh because if I were to talk to myself when I first started my business, I didn't think I would even be investing in the things that I invest in (laughs) or the way I think now it's completely different from how I was thinking years ago. Mm. What do you think your younger self would be thinking, um, seeing you in the position that you're in today? So this is so funny because I never wanted to work for myself because my dad worked for himself and then, you know, my my mom did as well. And I just always thought, no, I don't want that. <laughs> and uh, I, I just want the safety and security of a nine to five. Also because I, and then I always wanted to do something creative. So when I was younger, I used to dance and I was like, oh, should I go down that path? And I was like, no, 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 that's too risky. And I'm going to go for the safe, secure route. And so (laughs) now to find myself doing something creative and working for myself is hilarious. But I ultimately think that my younger self would would absolutely be jealous (laughs) of the life that I'm living now. I love it. So, um, yeah. That's what I think. <laughs> I love that. I love that you say she would be jealous because I, <laughs> you know what? I wanted the safe route too. Mm. I mean, but I, I definitely did not have a family of entrepreneurs um, to see. And then as a kid, you think, oh, that's so not safe. And that I would be so uncomfortable with that. Like, like you did, like yourself. 
I saw everybody in a nine to five and I thought that's just the way you go mm. and I'm going to do it too. It looks great. <laughs> and then I don't know what it was. Yeah. It was real for myself. It was an accident, a great positive accident mm-hmm. um, that happened in my life as well. But I love that you say you're younger your younger self would be absolutely jealous. And um, I think she'd be very proud. I think your, your childhood self would be very, very proud of where you're at today. And I'm happy for you. And I think you are such a talented photographer and foodie and your content is absolutely amazing that I want to share it with all of the listeners. So are there any upcoming projects that listeners should look out for? Where can they all find you online? So the best way to find me really is through Instagram where I'm at the little plantation. I also, just like you, have a podcast called Eat, Capture, Share, which is a mainly ad food photographers and food bloggers, but I do have other creatives listening in too. And in terms of what I've got coming up, I host a seasonal Instagram food photography challenge, which is free. I host that once a year and the next one's coming up in the spring of 2022. Also opening up my mentorship program for really it's for food photographers and and food bloggers who want to move from doing what they love as a hobby into turning it into a a career. So um, that's going to open up in the start of 2022. So those are kind of the two things to look out for. And of course, the podcast is there always. And um, yes, would love if people come and stop by and uh, tune in. Creative podcasts are my favorite. I think sharing any tools and resources that we have with the public is absolutely amazing. And I was so happy to learn that you had a podcast as well that you pretty much stand for a lot of things that I really, really resonate with. And I think are super important for anybody looking to pursue their their passion where they think it could have just been a a hobby or a little side hustle into a full-time living. And I appreciate everything you brought to the table today and everything that you're sharing with the public for 2022 and your podcast. Truly, thank you so much for joining me, Kimberly. Danielle, thank you so, so much for having me. I really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you for listening into this week's episode of Brewing Up Creativity. Have you been loving our recent episodes? It would mean a lot if you could leave us a review on your favorite podcasting platform. If you're also wondering how you can join us on the podcast, reach out to us at info at brewingupcreativity.com or fill out an inquiry form, which can be found on Instagram at brewingupcreativity, where the link is in our bio.